I hope that you are full of tryptophan and you had some really good cranberry sauce on Thanksgiving Day. I don't mean the Pinterest recipe kind with the, you know, whole cranberries and orange peels and fancy stuff in it. I'm talking straight out of the can, the good stuff, the ocean spray. Come on, how many are you with me? It's so good. <laughs> last night we had, uh, how many leftovers are sometimes the best? And uh, last night we had a little, little leftover Thanksgiving feast and um, I wanted to make sure we had plenty of cranberry sauce. So I went and got me a can and my wife just opened the can and put it next to me and I just dug into the can. I just a big spoon and just give me some. I almost ate the whole thing myself. In fact, I got a little bit left over for today. But I had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope that you, you did too. And I'm so grateful to be with you this morning. Um, it's been almost a month. I was just sitting there thinking, it's been almost a month since I've preached to you. And I don't know if you miss me, but I sure miss you. And uh, what that means is I've got about a month's worth of word in me. I feel like a stuffed turkey this morning. I am so full of the word of God and I'm so full of what God has been doing in my life in spite of uh, being having a little bit of a broken wing this morning. This is weird. I'm just getting it out there, the elephant in the room. It's weird preaching to you in this. I'm sure it's weird for you to look at me uh, preach to you in this as well. And, and you've been around here a hot minute. You know that I'm not a stand behind the pulpit with my hands, you know, to my side kind of preacher. I'm, I'm straight up Italian from New York City, waving my hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care. Come on. They're my Italian buddy, Mr. John Cavilli. Come on. And, uh, and so this is, I feel a little bit like a caged bird right now that I, I can't, I can't express myself fully to you. And, uh, but I am just so grateful. And today I really want to bring you message out of what God has been doing in my life over these last three weeks, and even this experience, um, many of you may not know, but uh, I was trying to lift something way too heavy by myself because that's what men do. We, we don't ask for help, right? We don't ask for directions. We figure it out because we're men and we're stubborn like that. And because of it, you end up in a sling like me. So men, don't, be, don't do that. Don't be stubborn like that. Ask for help. That's the moral of the story. I'll drop the mic and get off the stage. No, I'm just kidding. But um, what I did is I tore my distal bicep tendon. That's the, the doctor terminology. What that means is the, the tendon uh, on the lower part of my bicep, I ruptured it, tore off the bone. And, uh, and now I had to have surgery several weeks ago to repair it. And so now I'm going to be in this sling for too long. And, uh, and yet it's a, it's a very slow healing process, which for me, if you know me, uh, doesn't abode well for me because my life is fast paced. I'm running here and there. I can't afford to be in a sling, you know, ain't nobody got time for that. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, this has been a real challenge for me and it's challenges me every day. And at first I was mad about it and I was frustrated and I thought about all the things that I was going to miss out on or was, was going to change like preaching to you in a sling because of what happened. And then the Lord kind of took me out back. <laughs> Lord ever take you out back to the woodshed? You ever have one of those moments? Uh, unfortunately, I have them too many times, uh, which means that God is doing a lot in my life. And he kind of started reminding me of people that are in much worse condition than I am. And that I, even I have to deal with the, uh, you know, annoyance, if you will, of trying to preach in a sling and do things in a sling and only using one arm, at least I have one arm to use. And at least outside of it, I'm pretty rather healthy guy. And I know I don't look like it. Um, and by the way, I know I look like a lumberjack. You don't have to come up and tell me five times. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Lance, you look like a lumberjack. I'm like, no, not really. I mean, I'm a New York City kid. I'm wearing skinny jeans and Nikes. Lumberjacks don't wear skinny jeans and Nikes. And by the way, I'm taking my skinny jeans back. How many of you are with me? I'm like, they don't work. I'm not, it hasn't made me any skinnier wearing skinny jeans. So what's up? This is, this is marketing def defamation. It's, this is crazy. But, uh, but anyway, I know I look like a lumberjack, but I wear this and a shout out to all my red plaid people who wore your red on, on red Sunday. But 
as I started to ponder all the things that I am grateful for, like when they rolled me in just before I went into surgery, I was a little anxious, I was a little nervous because I'd never been under anesthesia before. And that's a little bit of a freaky thing. If anybody, I'm sure there's many of you in the room that you've had to go into surgery, it's probably a lot worse than me. But the idea of somebody injecting me with something and me going into a semi-coma uh, wasn't very comfortable. <laughs> it didn't make me feel very good. And I was a little bit um, uptight about that. <clears throat> and I remember before my surgery, I was, I was waiting and I just had a time with the Lord. I started, I pulled out, because um, they let me have my phone while I was waiting and I pulled up my Bible app and I just started reading some scripture and all of a sudden the peace of God came upon me and I was completely fine. But I was sitting there pondering the fact that I woke up from surgery and even more so the fact of the blessing that they asked me, said, you know, how many surgeries have you had before? And I got to say, this is my first. I'm 50 years old and I've never had to have surgery on anything before. I think that's a blessing. And I started to get grateful that I actually had the ability and live in a country where I could go to a doctor and I could go in and I could get something like this repaired. And that even though this was an annoyance and it was painful, that I've, I've led a relatively healthy life. And I started to reframe my perspective. And I started to allow the Spirit of God to show me things in my life that I'm grateful for, that I have a wife and beautiful children, some that were on the stage this morning leading us in worship and praise, that I get to be a pastor, even though sometimes it's a grind and it wears me out and I don't feel qualified and all the ups and downs and highs and lows that you go in through, going through ministry. But I started to begin to be grateful and it charted, something started to shift in my heart and God started to open my eyes to things that I wasn't seeing, that I had lost perspective. And this morning, I want to help us to regain some of the perspective that I think sometimes we so easily lose and to really go to the gratitude gym. So we're gonna take a look at um, a passage in Philippians. And I love the book of Philippians because the book of Philippians was written by the great apostle Paul. And oftentimes we see the heroes of the faith and we hear scripture and we think, man, their life was amazing. How did they get so amazing? How did their relationship with God become so rich and so real? And how do they have so much to give? And yet when we read the book of Philippians, it oftentimes is associated with joy. And yet Paul was writing the letter to the Philippians while he was in prison, after he was beaten for no good reason other than preaching the word of God and sharing the gospel, the good news. And he was being persecuted for his faith. Something that as we live in America and in the Americanized church, we, we know very little about. Yet we have brothers and sisters all over the world right now that are being persecuted just because they're Christian, just because they come and worship. And Paul writes this amazing letter. And I wanna share, I've picked out a choice portion, the best portion of the meat this morning in Philippians chapter four. I wanna read it to you. It's Philippians chapter four, verses four through eight. Now this is Paul, he's ending his letter to the Philippians. And this passage is called Paul's final exhortations. In other words, it's Paul's final encouragement to the church in Philippi and to the believers there. And this is what he says in his final encouragement to them. I want us to not just hear it with our ears this morning, but I want us to hear it with our spirits. I want to hear it. I want us to hear it through the ears of faith. He said this, rejoice in the Lord always. So on Thanksgiving Day? No. Paul's saying always. I will say it again. Now, Paul is using some strong language here. So this should get our attention right away that this is a command by Paul. That this isn't based on our feelings. It's not based on a national holiday and a, and a nice, lazy four-day weekend. This is based on a command that Paul's saying. Why? Because he knows how the outworking of what he's telling us to do has worked in his own life. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. Here it is. This is the Thanksgiving sandwich right here. You know the good stuff. The toast, the toasted bread, the turkey, the stuffing, the cranberry sauce on top, mayonnaise, some salt and pepper. This is it right here. This is the good stuff. With Thanksgiving. This is a Thanksgiving sandwich. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you for your servant, Paul, who we can glean from this morning from his writing, and not just his writing, but his life. God, help us today to see how he lived, to read about and learn from how he lived his life. And most importantly, let us not just hear the word and be hearers of the word this morning, but help us by the power of your Holy Spirit and the grace from the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Help us to put it into practice. Help us to live it out today. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Title of my message to you this morning, it's a little fun, but bear with me. I think it will make sense to you. It's called Gratitude Rehab. Gratitude Rehab. Now, oftentimes when we think of, of rehab, we associate that word with alcohol or drug addiction and we got to go to a treatment center. And of course, there is an element of truth to that, that uh, for people that find themselves stuck there, oftentimes going away to a treatment facility that is, uh, specializes in helping people detox from drugs or alcohol and help them rehabilitate their life. I, I, I do think, however, that we do need some detoxing. I do think that we need a little gratitude rehab because I think for a lot of us, we become addicted to complaining. We become addicted to seeing the negative in people. We become addicted to judgmentalism. And it infiltrates our soul. And over time, it can change the lens of how we see life. It can change our perspective on how we see our life and our place in it and how we even see God and his place in our life. And I think we need a little bit of detox from complaining. In fact, I was thinking we should just go on a complaining fast. I think we need to go on a fast period after Thanksgiving, right? Amen. Um, but I think what if we, from now till the end of the year, what if we went on a complaining fast? What if we detoxed from complaining and negative talking and seeing the worst in things, and we allowed the Spirit of God to rehab our hearts and change our perspective so that we started to see the good in things that are in front of us. I also think there's another element to rehabilitation, and this is something that I'm going to have to experience myself after I've been in this sling for about another month. I'm gonna go to uh, see a physical therapist and I'm gonna go through a rehabilitation process to now take uh, this broken wing. Come on, remember that song by Boston? Learn to fly again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'm gonna learn my, my muscle. It's amazing to me. You know that one of the things that has surprised me so much about this journey that I'm on is how fast muscles atrophy. 
How fast when you stop using a muscle, how all of a sudden, man, my arm starts to feel like Joe, my bicep, and I take, you know, as a guy, a little pride in bicep, I go to the gym, I try to work out, all those things. My bicep has shrunk, and, and now it feels like jellyfish. <laughs> it, it's just like, it's sad. I'm like, man, all that work in the gym, and now it's just nothing. And, and how, like, even just trying to turn my wrist is work, and how just lifting my arm, in fact, um, my, my doctor said, you, you need to use, you can only lift one pound right now. One pound. Like, you know what, one pound, that's not, that's barely my phone. And, and I, I mean, seriously. And so um, what, what has amazed me is the fact that I lose this muscle because I'm not exercising it. I'm not practicing using my muscles. And over time, you forget to use your muscle. Now, I'll tell you one thing. I'm getting really good with my left hand. And I am so righty. I mean, like, so righty. How many of you, like, so righty? I couldn't do anything with my left hand before this. That's one of the blessings in disguise. Now, my, my daughter said to me last night, she's like, look at you, Dad, because I was doing something with my left hand. She's like, you're becoming ambidextrous. I'm like, I hope so. I hope there's some other benefit, blessing out of this, what I'm going through. But, but I found this definition of rehabilitation that I think is interesting. Out of the Oxford Dictionary, it said this, if you put it up on the screen. Rehabilitation is the action of restoring someone to health or normal life through training and therapy. Training and therapy. I thought it was interesting that Paul who wrote this passage to the Philippians. His name was Paul of Tarsus. His initials were PT. I was thinking the PT this morning is becoming our PT. Yeah. Paul of Tarsus is gonna become our physical therapist and our physical trainer this morning to us. And we're gonna learn from his life like he admonished the Philippians to do, to learn from me, to watch how he lived, we're going to take a look and remind ourselves of some of the things that Paul went through in his life that led him to the place where he could actually write this book to the Philippians and tell them to rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. Now Paul isn't kicking back in a lounge chair and writing this book out of theory like you find in a lot of books today. Paul isn't even writing this on Thanksgiving morning when he's having his coffee by the nice warm fireplace, watching the snowflakes fall outside the window, having his favorite coffee that he had his little Keurig, that he didn't have to go out and grind coffee beans and, and try to make, you know, coffee the old-fashioned way over a fire. He didn't have to go chop down a tree and chop wood. He did he, you don't have to flick on a switch like we do to turn on our heat in the morning and go to the sink and get nice running hot water and all those things that oftentimes we just take for granted. The fact that we could go over to friends and family's house for Thanksgiving and get in our nice shiny cars that we just got washed and sit on our nice leather heated seats and with a push of a button, the engine starts and the navigation can even take us. We don't even need MapQuest to print it off on our printer anymore that we could just follow the navigation because we got Apple CarPlay and we, it could just navigate us right to the house and we don't have to get lost and we could even listen to music that we have on our iPhones or Galaxy, Samsung Galaxies, and all these things. Nothing. We could sit around the Thanksgiving table and look at beautiful family and friends and all those things. Paul isn't coming from that. He's not sitting around with the butterball turkey basted. He's not sitting around with the cranberry sauce, ocean spray with the ridges on it. He's not sitting around pumpkin pie with, with the, man, I'm making, am I making you hungry? I'm making myself hungry. With some whipped cream on it? No. Paul is writing this in the middle of a prison, in the middle of winter, beaten, bloodied, probably with broken limbs, broken bones, probably starving, freezing, muddy, standing sometimes in sewage, in stocks. And yet, in the middle of it, Paul wrote this letter. And he says this, whatever you learned, whatever that you've received from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. 
I've got a couple things that I think that we could learn from this. And the first one is this, that if we're going to have gratitude rehab, the first thing that we need to do is we need to learn to praise in the middle of pain. Praise in the middle of pain. See, too many of us, we've learned to praise when we feel like it. We've learned to praise when we have something evident in our life to be grateful for. We've learned to praise when life's good and health's good and we're sitting here on Thanksgiving weekend and we had a wonderful time with our family and friends, had some time off for work. Can I tell you something? Anybody can praise in the middle of good times. Anybody can praise on Thanksgiving Day when we have a national holiday to remind us to give thanks to God for the blessings in our life. Anybody can praise when they're feeling good and they got blessings and you got money in your pocket and life is good. But the real test of our gratitude to see if our gratitude muscles are working or if they've atrophied is are you willing to and can you praise in the middle of pain? In the middle of pain. See, Paul isn't preaching to us and telling us to learn from him because he's writing from a palace. Paul is telling us that he's learned to praise him in the middle of a prison, in the middle of his pain. And let me tell you that in the middle of the night, it says that Paul and Silas were chained together and they started to pray just like he wrote. He said, I'm going to pray with what? With thanksgiving. He said, I'm not going to ask God to get me out of my pain before I begin to thank him for the place where I'm standing right now. Sometimes the key to breakthrough isn't that God, you're praying prayers that God is taking you out of the situation or the pain you're in, but maybe if we would stop and start to give God thanks for whatever situation and whatever circumstance that you find yourself in this morning, maybe part of the breakthrough comes when you're willing to praise in the middle of pain. Not waiting to the other side. See, this is where you got to exercise your faith muscle if you're going to have gratitude rehab. Because faith praises God even though you don't see the breakthrough. Faith praises God in the middle of pain. I was reminded about this um, on, on Thanksgiving Day. My family and I, we went over to my in-laws to... Um, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law's house who moved here about a year and a half ago now. Uh, many of you know them, Ben and Mary Lou Conkle, and they lived in Redding, California for like 10 or 12 years, I think. And I don't know if you heard about the devastating fires that ripped through Redding, California uh, several years ago. There was over, I think, 1,100 houses that were burned in that car fire, they called it. And my, my in-laws had a house there and we prayed and believed that God would protect their house. And he was doing that, no doubt. But their house got burned down by the fire. They lost everything. I, I couldn't imagine. These are people of faith. And we pray and believe God is going to protect us from things like that. We were praying and believing that God was going to protect them from losing their house and losing everything. And we're sitting there Thanksgiving Day and we're enjoying this beautiful feast around this beautiful table and around with all my, my five children. We had some friends that were from out of town visiting. They, they joined us. And on the table, there was this ceramic turkey. <laughs> and one of my kids, Jaden, he picked up the turkey and the turkey uh, is like a water pot. You could put, you know, a beverage or liquid in there and out of the turkey's mouth you pour it and he was playing around with it joking and um, my mother-in-law said be careful with that Jaden she said that's Papa's turkey <laughs> and he looked at her kind of funny and like what do you mean that's pa Papa's turkey she's like well tell him tell him the the turkey story Ben and so we all kind of got quiet and um, my father-in-law started telling us the story about how after the fire he drove up to see the house and my mother-in-law couldn't even go with him. She just sat in the car and wept. And he went over to the rubble of everything that was burned down 
And my mother-in-law had um, this china cabinet. And, and this, this grieved my wife. I remember my wife was grieved because in this china cabinet, she had, she had china that her grandmother had passed down to her. She had china, she collected teacups from all over the world in different places. And these, these were treasures. These were things that she's collected all her life were passed down to her. And not only um, did the fire burn, but some, some, because of the extreme heat, the, the trusses fell and things that didn't get burned in the fire, like you wouldn't think China, China doesn't burn up. But what happened was the roof fell on her China cabinet and smashed everything in it. And my father-in-law, as he was going through the rubble of it, he was trying to find anything that they could salvage through the rubble, through the ashes. And his first day there, he just kicked through some stuff. He couldn't handle it anymore. He went back to the car. They went to the place that they were staying. They came back the next day. They're grieving, as you can imagine. They come back the next day and several days he was going to go through the, the rubble and see if he could find anything. And the next day he comes back and he's going through the rubble of where the, the china cabinet was. And right on top of the pile of rubble sits this ceramic turkey. Completely perfect, completely untouched and unscathed. And he thought this was really odd because he had just been there the other day and gone through the rubble and he didn't find anything. And now he comes back the next day and he finds this ceramic turkey there. And he picks it up and he brings it back to the car and he shows um, my mother-in-law, he's like, I found your turkey. And she's like, what turkey? It's like this one. She's like, that's not my turkey. I never had anything like that. He's like, are you serious? And so they go home and they're just like puzzled by this. They come back the next day and are digging through more of the rubble, trying to find stuff. And there's two salt and pepper shakers that are little turkeys or pilgrims or something sitting right on top of the rubble. And he's like, okay, God, like what in the world is going on? And he said he felt like the Lord said, I'm le I left these here to remind you that in the middle of the rubble, in the middle of your loss, in the middle of pain, will you be grateful? Will you learn to praise me in the middle of your pain? This is where God turns beauty to ashes. This is where God, when you're willing to give him praise, he turns your pain into beauty. He takes your tears and he turns them into joy. But you got to be willing and we have to learn and we have to practice praising God in the middle of our pain. There's something spiritual that happens when we're willing to do it. Just like when Paul and Silas, when they were sitting there, I can't imagine being in the condition that they were in, being in the pain, not knowing if you're going to live or die, being freezing cold, starving, and yet in the middle of it, being willing to praise God. But there's something that breaks in our soul that opens our eyes up to see the blessings and to, and to receive, actually, you start to receive joy. This is one of the keys to joy. Now, joy is different from happiness. Happiness, we got to have all our ducks our turkeys lined up in a row, if you will. We got to have um, all our circumstances surrounding us that, that create this thing called happiness. But how many of you know, real life isn't like that. In real life, there's battles and blessings. In real life, in the middle of a battle, I can see that there's blessings right alongside the battle. It isn't that we're joyful all the time and we're grateful all the time, that in the, we are grateful, but it's not because of the lack of pain. It isn't because of the lack of problems. It's, it's that in the middle of our problems, in the middle of our pain, that when we praise God, that we can see the roses, even though that there's thorns on them. Come on, every rose has its thorn. Thank you, Brett Michaels. You contributed something good to society. <laughs> but look at this. I love in, in her book, The Gift of Imperfection, Brene Brown, she says this, it seems that gratitude without practice may be a little bit like faith without works. It's not alive. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is when you're going through something if you're willing to give God praise. Come on. 
1 Thessalonians 5.16 says this, Rejoice always. Sound familiar? Rejoice always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know God's will? So many people, God, Pastor Lance, I want to know what God's will. You know what God's will is? Right here. Pray continually. Rejoice always. Pray continually. But here's the big one. Exercise your thanksgiving muscle. Exercise your gratitude. Give thanks in what? Some things. In the good days. Give thanks in all circumstances. And many of you here, you're here and you're going through something even right now. Many of you watching online, you're going through something right now. Here's, here's the problem when you go through pain. Pain wants to change your lens and distort the lens and perspective that you see the world. So too many of us, we don't see the blessings that are right in front of our eyes because we got a big old cataract called bitterness. We got a big old plank in our eye called sin. We've got unforgiveness that is blinding us. We've got disappointments. We got disappointments with God. We got disappointments with people. And because of it, it has blinded us from being able to see the blessings right in front of me. It reminds me of a story in the Old Testament when Elijah was hungry and he went to this widow and he says, what do you have in your cupboard that you can make me something to eat with? And this widow had just lost her husband and she was in debt and was gonna lose everything that she owned if she didn't repay the debt, but she had no means to repay the debt. And so what happened in Jewish culture? She had two boys. What would happen in Jewish culture if you could not repay a debt, they would take one of your sons as collateral and turn him into a slave. And that's how you would repay your debt. They would be slave labor until the debt was repaid. And so this lady was about to lose everything. She just lost her husband. She's in debt over her ears. She might lose her house. She's going to lose her only sons now. And this prophet comes to her and says, what do you got in your cupboard to make me to eat? And she looks at him. Could you imagine what's going through her mind? Are you kidding me? Are you serious, right? It's kind of like when I ask my wife what's for dinner after Thanksgiving day. And she's like, are you serious right now? Do you know how many hours I spend in this kitchen? And I can imagine her looking at him like, are you kidding me? And her response is this, I have nothing to give you. And then the, the prophet, doing what prophets do, says to her, I want you to look again. And she says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Actually, now that I think about it, I do have a little bit of oil. I got a little bit of oil. And the prophet says to her, if you were willing to give that little bit that you have, watch what God will do with it. And God multiplied that as she poured it out, God kept pouring back in. This is the part when you are willing to praise in the middle of your pain and you don't see the goodness of God in your life and all you see are the, the pain and the things and the problems in your life surrounding you, that it changes your perspective when you start, number two point, count your blessings. You gotta count your blessings. Now this is intentional, counting's intentional. Counting is numbering them and naming them. Counting your blessings intentionally forces us to take our eyes off our pain and off our problems and exercise our eyes of faith and to intentionally look for the good. In a, now, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that even the worst of scenarios and the worst of, of days, that there's always something that we could find. There's a silver lining. There's something that God is doing in the middle of our pain because you understand something about faith. Faith can praise God in the middle of our pain because faith sees and understands that 
even in the middle of our pain, there's a blessing and that the end of the story isn't the end of the story because it's God who writes the end of our story. And my story isn't over until God puts the period at the end of it. And God doesn't put an end of the, put the period at the end of your pain. He puts a semicolon because the story isn't finished yet. God is working. You got to believe in Romans 8, 28. Marty reminded of us last week, and that was an amazing message, that if you believe in faith, that even though I'm going through something right now, I can praise God in the middle of it because my story is not over because I'm exercising my faith to believe that my God works all things, all things, if I'm willing to praise him in all things and in all circumstances, that my God is willing to work all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And you hear this morning, and we have to be careful that we don't allow our pain to distort our eyes of faith. And we allow the Holy Spirit to come and bring healing and open up our eyes of faith. That's why Paul said in, in Philippians 4.8, which we just read, verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, this is the last thing. Listen to this. You got to get this. This is the last thing that Paul's reminding them of. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, do what? Think about such things. See, what changes your perspective is where you allow your mind to focus. That if you allow your mind, this is why you got to count your blessings. Counting your blessings says, I'm going to take time to sit down and write out. This is, this is what I had to do. And, uh, in fact, I had, I had to do this recently. After this thing happened with my arm, I, I, I just sat down and started counting my blessings, counting the things I'm grateful for, exercising my gratitude muscle, going to the gratitude gym. And during my downtime, I got to read a lot. One of the books that I'm reading is called 1,000 Gifts by Anne Voskamp. And she talks about how uh, when she was a child, a memory she had of losing her sister to a terrible accident, getting hit um, by a truck and remembering, uh, looking out the window at her father holding her daughter in her hands, uh, his, his daughter in her hands as she, she died. And in this book, she, she wrote a 10th anniversary book. And in the book, um, on the cover, is, is a nest, is a bird's nest with some eggs and it says 1,000 gifts. And in the introduction, she talks about why she wrote an anniversary edition because of how many people from reading the original book have been touched by that book and how it's helped them. And she tells a story about this young woman who um, tragically, when she, she had things going on in her life and in the middle of some really challenging hard times, she was pregnant. And she talks about the challenges of, of going through those hard times while she was pregnant. And then to make matters worse, when she gave birth to her baby daughter, that uh, her baby daughter, when the doctors put her baby daughter in, in her hands, they said there were some complications in the delivery. And we don't know that your daughter will ever walk or talk. And as she, she broke down, um, she tells the story and Voskop, the author, she tells the story of how this lady, how she made it through that challenging time. And it was because of reading her book that every day she'd get out her journal and she would count her blessings. She would count 1,000 gifts. She, she would write down 1,000 gifts of grace that God has given her. And it was the strength that she received from counting her blessings and writing down all those things and then daily reading them over and over and over and how it got her through the most challenging times. And when she went to her therapist for, as she was going through grief counseling, this is one thing her therapist said. Listen to this. Her therapist said, the reason you are finding the strength to live through the crisis is because just like you can create a memory muscle, you're creating a gratitude muscle. 
And just like memory muscle that when, I, when you go to physical therapy, your muscle forgets how to work. It forgets how to do things because you're not using it. You're not practicing with it. You're not exercising in it. For many of us, part of the way that we gain strength back and rehab our gratitude muscle is we count our blessings. We start to write down, we start to name them. And as you start to name them, the eyes of your faith begin to open and you start to see them again. Listen, this is so cool. When God was calling and delivering the Israelites out of their bondage in Egypt as slaves, it's a type and shadow of how God calls us out of slavery to sin and gives us new life. But as um, as God was freeing the Israelites out of their bondage from Egypt, he told them to get out of Egypt in haste. In other words, get out quick. Don't linger. Don't sit around. Because he knew if they lingered, they would start to look at all the things that they were going to lose in their leaving instead of looking at the freedom that was in front of them and the promise that was in front of them. And they, the women, they had a choice. They, they were in the middle of baking bread. They were trying to bake provision and have food for their journey. And God says, you got to get out of here. And so they had a choice. Am I going to take the provision that's in front of me? Or am I going to take my praise? And they decided that they're going to take their praise. Instead of grabbing the bread, they grabbed their tambourines. And when they, God delivered them out of Egypt, they didn't go out with any bread, but they went out with praise on their lips. They went out in the middle of God freeing them with a tambourine in their hand. And I wonder how many of us this morning, if maybe we would count our blessings, and instead of looking for the provision of God, that we would give our praise to God, we would start to see all the blessings blessings in our life and our gratitude would get stronger and stronger. The last thing that I have for you, worship team, you guys can come back up, is you can't just feel gratitude. It's something that you have to learn to give gratitude. It's something that you have to learn to practice it's something that you have to learn to exercise. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm not good at this. I'm good at thinking about things and people I'm grateful for, just like I'm grateful for you. But it's not good enough just to feel grateful. You have to give thanks. You have to be willing to express your gratitude, let it out. Could you imagine being married? My wife and I, we, um, last week, we celebrated 27 years of wedded bliss. Yeah. Thank you. My wife is really blessed. She's living. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know how she puts up with me for 27 years. But I'm, I'm grateful. But could you imagine being married 27 years and never expressing gratitude? Do you know how many times that I've thought in my heart, I'm so grateful for my wife. I'm so grateful how amazing she is, what a great mother she is, how well she loves our family, how much she sacrifices for our family, how much she gives to this church. You see, when you start to count your blessings and you start to look at the things and you start to make your list, you can't just keep the list to yourself. The list is supposed to well up gratitude within you so that you give thanks. We exercise giving thanks with our mouth and with our hands. Paul would talk about that the expression of gratitude it creates an overflowing. In fact, I thought, you know what would be a great message post-Thanksgiving? Would be Thanksgiving gratitude leftovers. Because we're, so, we're supposed to be so full of gratitude that we don't just have enough for us. We don't just have enough to praise God, but it overflows in generosity. In other words, there's this connection between not only gratitude and joy, but there's this connection that as we rehab our gratitude muscles and start exercising our gratitude and praising God in the middle of pain and are willing to count our blessings and to, to name them, now we can't just keep it to ourselves. I got to give thanks. 
I got to express things. That's why we worship. See, praise changes your perspective. Paul understood this, that if we'll just praise God in the middle of prison, maybe I'll start to be able to see the blessings instead of this prison. That's why we start out our worship service with praising God, because there's something about praising God that changes our perspective. We start to sing about how awesome God is, how majestic He is, like we said, how holy He is, how worthy He is. Listen, in the Old Testament, the rabbis, they would say a blessing, not just like we do over their food, but they would name specifically all the things that they were grateful for while they were experiencing it. So while they're chewing their food, thank you, God, for this delicious ocean spray cranberry sauce. Thank you, God, for this delicious Costco pumpkin pie, right? Because we all get our pumpkin pie at Costco. Thank you for my son, Jaden. even though he's fighting this autoimmune disease in his bones. And there's many nights where he's up in pain. Thank you for the blessing of my son. Because we lose perspective. We forget how grateful we should be. We forget the things that the Lord has done. And I want to finish by just reminding us something in the Old Testament that they God was reminding his people, and I think we need a reminder of it. And this is why we need to give thanks. He says this in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And the whole passage is, do not forget the Lord. Listen to this. When you've eaten, and when you're satisfied, do what? Sit back in your recliner, watch some football, and hang out. No. Praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his laws and decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied and when you build fine houses and settle down and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. Come on, how many times has God been faithful to you? He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors never had known to humble you and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced the wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant of love, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. I've heard it said like this, what you don't turn into praise turns into pride. We're going to end our service praising God. Thanksgiving morning. Do you ever go to bed and you're kind of in a funk? Wednesday night I went to bed. I was in, I was in, I was just in this funky mood, man. I was not, I was not right. I wasn't right. I wasn't right in my spirit. I was kind of complaining. I was a little on edge. Even felt a little depressed, if I'm going to be honest with you. Thanksgiving morning, I woke up, the sun was shining, I opened the curtains, I see the sun coming up over those mountains, and I felt drawn to just the presence of God. And so I put on some worship music, I sat in, I sat in my bed, and I, I opened my Bible, and I listened to the song that we're about to sing together. And I had this memory hit me, of over 20 years ago on Thanksgiving, just before Thanksgiving, I found Jesus, actually better put, he found me. I was this lost, broken young man, had no future in front of him, very little life, 
was on anti-anxiety medicine, couldn't sleep, drugs, alcohol, you name it. And God got a hold of my heart and changed my life forever. And I remember Thanksgiving holds a special place in my heart, not just because it's an awesome holiday, but it holds a special place in my heart because just before Thanksgiving, our church, my new church, that I was so grateful to be part of, had a, had a service, praise and worship service, and they had a time where an open mic where people come up and say what they're grateful for. And I went up to that mic and I broke down in front of the church and I said, I'm so sorry to my aunts who prayed for me for years. And I gave them nothing but grief. And I'm so grateful that God got a hold of my heart. And I expressed my praise and my gratitude to God and something and I felt the Spirit of God and the presence of God so strong that it marked me for the rest of my life. And this Thanksgiving, as I sat there and as I pondered that moment, I said, God, I never want to forget I never want to forget, even though my life is good now, and I have the blessing of children and a beautiful wife, a beautiful church, how easy I could forget what I was like before God got a hold of my life. And I'm wondering how many of you are here this morning, and you'd say, man, Pastor Lance, I'm there. I just forgot. I forgot what my life was like. I forgot the blessing of God. Maybe you're going through something in your life. Maybe you don't know Jesus, and today is the day, just like me, you surrender your life to Jesus. You can make that decision before we end this service. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you repent of your sin, that means to recognize I'm a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. And God, I surrender my life to you. Will you forgive me of my sin? I'm turning from my way of living and surrendering to your way of life. Will you come, forgive me of my sin, wash me clean and fill me with your very presence. You, you can pray that prayer. We, we're gonna have our prayer team over here to my left. And you can make that decision today. And you can know God, find freedom in Him. For the rest of us, how many of you would say, I need to go get some gratitude rehab. I'm raising my hand. I need to practice praising God in the middle of my pain. I need to practice counting my blessings and I need to practice giving thanks. That's why we have Red Sunday. We get to give out of our gratitude. I want you to stand with me. Come on, stand to your feet. Right now, I want you to begin to start to count your blessings. Come on, begin to count them. Maybe you're going through something right now. Today is your day. Right now is your moment that you get to exercise your gratitude muscle by giving God praise in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your problems. Maybe you just, you forgot all the things. The Bible says, forget not his benefits. Maybe today, the Holy Spirit would reopen your eyes from the disillusionment, from the bitterness, the judgment, the sin, whatever it might be that is blocking your perspective to see the blessing in your life.